Hello, 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 and welcome to Tease Me. This is a podcast about the intersection of golf, business, and life. And occasionally we'll drop some gems on networking and just how that makes your life better. Because knowing more than one person is actually a good thing. Hello, everyone. It is October, and October is a very special month for me. First of all, I represent the Libra gang, so shout out to all the Libras out there. We are very unique and special people. We keep this world balanced, but it's also the start of season two of Tease Me. I'm excited to be here with you right now because last season was amazing. We ended with Convos for Change, where we are looking at how do we move the needle, change the narrative, make golf more inclusive, more diverse. And quite honestly, it takes a lot of us. It takes every intentional action of inviting more people. It takes people from the top down embracing diversity and change. And quite honestly, it is a monolithic effort that's taking a very long time. I'm quite impatient. It's taking too long, in my opinion. What I'm excited about as well is it's the fourth quarter. It's still... 2020, and there's still opportunities for you to do what you need to do to make it a good year. So even if you had some setbacks and even if there were some things that discouraged you, this is the time to pivot and do something great. Fall in love with the problem, not the solution. I heard that at a, at a conference, actually. So as I look at October and I think about 2020, and I want you to do this too, take a step back and say, you know what? Every minute is an opportunity. What can I do to make a difference? Whether it's doing something for charity or it's dreaming and putting it on paper, what your dream business is, or if it's finding a new job or buying a home, whatever your thing is, put it to paper, make it, make it real, bring it to existence. How do you do that? I mean, you can speak things into existence. I believe that that's true and that's possible. I mean, look at this podcast. So anyway, we're here at season two. I'll tell you one thing about my golf game. It's about the same. It didn't get better. It didn't get worse. It looks pretty much exactly the same. However, what I'm excited about is that I've met some new people. And hopefully you've at least got one good golf story. Call me and tell me about it. I'm excited to hear. So for season two, this is our first episode, which is really episode number 21, if you're keeping track or counting. But this is season two, and it's our first episode. And This season, we're focused on gems. So what does that mean? I have an opportunity to golf with some amazing people. Sometimes I bring them onto the podcast. And I realize that it doesn't really serve the community as much as it can if there's not a takeaway. So my thought is, and my ask is for all of the peers and all of the people that have joined me and who's going to join me going forward, give me a gem. What is your tidbit, your gem of wisdom, or your insight that you want to share with the community so that if you are out there dreaming of something and this story makes sense to you, there's at least one actionable task that you can take or something to inspire you to move forward. So season two is all about gems. And for our first guest, we have Sam Adeyemi. He's a technology executive with extensive experience leading IT initiatives in large corporations that provide measurable ROI and consistently reduce operational costs. He combines his passion for technology and sports in his current role as the U.S. head of sports at Orion Innovation, a global technical services and solutions company. Sam truly believes that harnessing the right technology can help businesses be nimble and create innovation. And he prides himself on keeping a pulse on the rapidly changing technology landscape to make informed strategic decisions that will affect business outcomes. Sam started his career in 1996 as a programmer at Nabisco Inc., followed by more senior hands-on development and team lead roles. He then transitioned to managing the delivery of global solutions and led cross-functional teams at KPMG and CBS Corporation before joining Orion. In addition to Sam's professional pursuits, Sam has demonstrated his passion for volunteerism, particularly in the areas of youth development. He's a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated and has participated in a host of social service projects focused on mentoring young black men over the past 26 years. served on the board at Junior Achievement of New Jersey for two years, and most recently the board chairman for Resilience Advocacy Project, RAP, a youth social advocacy nonprofit. Lastly, he was a volunteer youth basketball coach at the Montclair YMCA for over 14 years, teaching basketball fundamentals and good sportsmanship. Sam holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in Management Science and Information Systems from Pennsylvania State University. Let's welcome Sam. 
Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Tease Me. We have Sam Adiemi. And what you know about Sam is that he's a technologist, but he's in sales and he golfs. And what I love about this conversation and story is golfers and sales and sports are all intersecting right now. So Sam, tell us about what you do and introduce yourself to the audience. All right. Great. Um, thanks for having me. So I am um, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I guess my nine-to-five is really around um, working with the leagues um, and helping them run more efficiently uh, with technology solutions. So the uh, as the head of the U.S. sports for a global tech firm, um, you can imagine that, you know, uh, one of the things that is very important is to be very aware of the trends within the industry and, you know, also helping the clients that I work with envision solutions around, you know, pressing problems that may come about. Um, So we work closely with Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, as well as National Football League. Um, And in my role, I get to, you know, talk to and interact with some of the best sports minds out there. Uh, it's really a unique role, um, you know, and, and, and I, I just get up ready to do the role um, and interacting with these folks and um, really allowing myself to, uh, you know, share in my passion for sports, which, you know, is a palatable thing. <laughs> um, and it does come out when I interact with my clients because our Conversations are not really about just the pressing problems, but it's what's going on in their league, what's going on, you know, uh, from a you know standings perspective and things like that. So uh, it's a really interesting gig. Um, love what I do. Um, so that's my nine to five. Outside of my nine to five, um, I am into fitness. Um, and being into fitness, uh, my wife and I started a page. It's called 40 is the new 20 fit. And it's on Instagram and we showcase and profile athletes, um, everyday people who maintain their fitness level. And the reason it's called 40 is the new 20 fit, there's a tag phrase behind that. So 40 is the new 20 when you make fitness and wellness a priority. So that's where it comes in. Everybody has their own opinion on if 40 really is the new 20, but these are some of the most youthful, vibrant people that we get to profile. And it serves as motivation and inspiration for our peers to keep it going. So, you know, that's sort of my nine to five and five to nine uh, summed up. Okay. So you said a lot. Let's unpack some of that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to start where 40 is the new 20 part because I think that that just gives 40 year olds permission to relive their 20s, but we're not going to go there yet. We're not going <laughs> to okay. start there. We're going to start with the fact that you are interacting with the major leagues and you're helping them solve their problems with technology. But for the average person listening, they may not be able to like envision it. So give us like the pre-COVID perspective of how these technology solutions impact like the NFL or NHL or uh, MLB. Yeah, for MLB. So uh, we have built a solution for Major League Baseball. So this is pre-COVID. And it's interesting that we're talking pre-COVID because there had been a um, more of a paradigm shift when we engaged Major League Baseball um, to build out their new credentialing solution. Um, At the time, it was back in 2015, 2016, uh, the Paris bombings. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that, but what happened with the sports leagues was um, they started to look at their security um, and technology played a great role in um, helping them secure their stadiums, you know, making sure that the workflow for people requesting access was very efficient. And that's where our solution came in. So we had a product that was already on the market, um, but we collaborated with MLB to re-architect the solution that today is still managing the access control for media for their guests. Um, so if you think about it, it's a credential badge. That credential badge is going to be requested, issued, scanned at the venue, and it's going to be scanned at multiple access points. Um, so that's an example of a solution that we provide uh, to one of our key clients. 
I can only imagine. So I'm gonna we're gonna drop a little gym here. I can only imagine how that transitions in when we start opening that things back up, like having a credentialing around COVID um, and yep. where you've been and who you've been around, and even just the way that the NBA is operating within the bubble and how they're trying to just maintain their community so that no one gets sick and you won't have this MLB situation with the Mets where you have to cancel the subway series. Um, mm-hmm. because one or two people are testing positive. So, you know, yep. are you in the space where you're helping them design these types of solutions for future business or are they coming up and coming to you to say like, how can technology save us? So there's two aspects of that. One, our existing solutions, um, we have to expand their capabilities to manage for the next normal, right? So we're looking at, and, and, and let me take a step back. For every league, everybody wants to get back to normal. However, their key priority is the safety of their players, the safety of their employees, and the safety of the fans attending the games, right? So now we basically look at all of our solution, but on steroids, right? Making sure that the solutions not only do what they intend to do, but also incorporate factors that are relevant to COVID. For instance, contact tracing is something that is key because if there's an outbreak that occurs, we want to be able to pinpoint where that outbreak originated from. So contact tracing is key. We offer different solutions for returning to work and making sure that we manage um, how employees are coming back to work, scheduling time to go into the office. So we have various different offerings that have come about as new offerings for COVID, but then our existing systems are also being enhanced to handle different COVID use cases, right? So that's, that's it's, it's a, um, right now we're in a place where we don't know how long COVID is going to impact the day-to-day operation. So what you have there is now a bunch of think tanks, whether it be in the league, whether it be in companies like myself um, and you know, I, I, I didn't even mention that I work for Orion Innovation. <laughs> um, that's the global tech player that I work for. And we're having global discussions on what are the various leagues doing and strategizing around how to help them using solutions that are, you know, technically based, but also weaves in their additional processes that are coming about. So, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting time because you'll see that, even from a league perspective, they're figuring things out on how to manage COVID, how to manage um, things after we get past, um, you know, the initial waves of COVID um, because sports has to get back to normal and sports is always a sign that things are back to normal. So that's something that we are, you know, very happy to be playing a part of. Awesome. So let's talk about a few origin stories. Both you and I have these technology backgrounds and, if mm-hmm. given the opportunity to do it again, I'd probably be looking at markets that are more interesting than going into finance. But the past is the past, and you know, I mean, yeah. had some good times in finance. How did you make the connection between your technology degree and sports? Like, how did you bridge the gap to start solving problems for? And actually, you're not even working in technology; you're working in sales, right? So share that. So, and that's and that's interesting because it, it was it was a bit of a pivot on my part, right? So. My background, I started off as a software developer, then I went to managing, um, you know, development projects within KPMG, um, and then I started managing projects at CBS. Those were internal leadership positions from an IT perspective, and, you know, I found that there's a lot of politics that are involved in um, delivering enterprise-wide solutions. And the people that were really on the cusp of implementing the technology that was out there were actually the vendors. (laughs) And when I was at KPMG, Orion architected the next wave of audit solutions that were out there. So, you know, when I was looking for a new role transitioning out of CBS, Orion has been expanding organically and inorganically by taking over different businesses. I heard that they had a sports business that was in New York City. And here, 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 here's a story how I landed into my actual role. 
I was part of the sales organization because I wanted to be able to solution, you know, at a grand level. I didn't care if it was sports, if it was finance, because my background was telecom. You know, when I was at Nabisco, it was consumer packaging goods, um, audit, finance. Those are not sports. However, technology is technology, right? So, you know, you're able to reference, you know, things that you've done in your past. And, you know, when I got to Orion, I was aware of the sports division, but I was working as a a business development executive for all of the organization. So what we call that is a horizontal focus. I then um, really... I broke out a very good relationship with the then managing director of sports. And he actually groomed me to take his role. So I was there literally for three months. He saw how I was doing in other areas of the business. And he groomed me within three months. He exited um, because it was his company that was acquired. So he exited the organization, um, you know, don't know if it was an earned buyout or what have you, but as he exited, I assumed the role of taking over sports. Um, and I had the relationships that were already built with the sports organization. So it was, it, it was one thing that it was, it was an easy job for me to transition to because my background was in solution delivery and I have a great passion for sports. Like I, I, I'm a sports junkie. So it was easy to get into the fold. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about being a sports junkie yet, but I will talk about golf and brokering relationships. So how did you start playing golf? And like, tell us your golf journey. What was your story? Wow. It's, um, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't start it earlier. I went to Penn state. Um, my first two years I was at Penn state Ogons, um, play basketball for them. I went to main campus and on, on our main campus, we have two championship golf courses that I did not take advantage of. And I was so mad that I didn't do that. And I started playing golf in 1996. I graduated in 96. In 96, I started playing golf. If you are aware, that's when a very famous golfer turned pro. I think his name was Tiger Woods. I don't oh, know. go figure. <laughs> yeah, go like, figure. Oh. So just like everybody, I was on a Tiger bandwagon, um, got into golf. And actually, I had a golf outing that I was preparing for because, you know, we water cooler conversation. There's this golf outing coming up folks at Nabisco planned it. And I was, you know, I want to be prepared. I play a ball. I was like, I'm not going to embarrass myself on a golf course. Took some lessons, you know, um, and then that was my very first time on a golf course in a best ball outing. So yeah. And then after there, you know, the story goes with anybody who hits one good shot on the golf course, you get hooked and you keep coming back. So pretty much since 96. (laughs) So yeah. So wait, let's talk about your alumni. Do you go back and tell any of the existing basketball players or any of the students like this course is here? I recommend if you're a business major or if you're just interested. The way I yeah, the way I do that is through my fraternity. Being a member of Kappa, I tell every single Kappa that's on the yard, please play golf. You have no idea how good you have it to play on a championship golf course for like $12, like, please, like for one, you're getting a bargain for two, it's going to help you in the long run. Got it. And so for the people that don't know, that would be Kappa Alpha Psi. It's a fraternity. They like to wear red and white or crimson and cream to be clear. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Crimson and cream. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So just for, just for the people that don't know in the back of the room. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about how you've leveraged golf then for your career. So now you're in the sales role. Were you using it while you were in the technology roles or when did you start seeing golf being valuable in your actual job? So, yeah. So it's interesting because Golf has always been a good connector for me, um, similar to basketball, and they kind of overlap, right? So being good at basketball, playing in corporate leagues, it kind of gets you, you know, they get the attention of the executives who are very competitive and want to win, right? So I was always hand-selected <laughs> and hand-picked to be on, you know, the top of the food chain in IT to be on their team. So let's pause because people don't physically see you. How tall are you? I'm 6'2". Yeah, yeah. that part. Okay. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened was, you know, good at basketball leagues. That was a good connector. Golf was a connector in different ways. So 
Um, I can think back in KPMG, we had a weekly golf league. They did it as part of ways to get the um, employees to interact. Um, so that was one thing where I was able to broker relationships with pe- different people in the company, right? So that was how I leveraged golf. And, you know, the, I'm an okay golfer. So what it allowed me to do was link with very good golfers and, you know, pick their brain in a very friendly type of environment that's casual, right? Um, it wasn't a competitive league, but I played in two different corporate-based golf leagues and it's really you know the camaraderie is you know bar none it's 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 top of the food chain because people are either learning together or you know you do have some people that get competitive but at the end of the day you're expanding your corporate network right um now trans fast forward to now being a business development sales executive um and in a COVID time frame funny enough the only way I get to see my clients if I ask to meet with them is on a golf course. There's no business lunches that are happening. Like it's, and golf is six feet. Look, you can stay six feet apart. All of the golf courses are implementing rules where you have to ride in your own cart anyway. So it's a great way to catch up with people who I've already built relationships with um, and keep that going um, while we're all being starved for, you know, like really social people interaction, right? So, you know, golf right now is, is, is keeping me sane <laughs> and, and keeping me, you know, top of mind with, you know, some of my important clients. That's, 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 what's it, that's what it's doing right now. Absolutely. So now if you had to look back at some of those environments and even now, who is missing and what would you tell those people? Like, are you seeing women? Are you seeing people of color? Are you seeing you know, other demographics, like, and what are the words that you would give to them? Yeah. I mean, I do, I do see women more than I see African-Americans. Um, and I do feel that, um, you know, Af- African-Americans have taken a, I mean, I'm, I'm part of a, a group on Facebook. It's black offers association and people post that, you know, they're playing, um, I don't see a lot of those people on the course, <laughs> but, you know, I do, um, I like to book tea times where I'm the only person so that I can partner with three people that I don't know and get to find out what, what's going on. What do they have going? Um, it has worked out for me because sometimes I link up with somebody who could be a partner from a sales perspective. Um, also, um, I've met with people who are very interesting prospects. But I would say that younger people who are under the age of 25, I have not linked up with on a course and I don't see on the course. And I don't know why that is. They have better things to do, probably. I'm guessing they don't want to be out there for five hours spending time on the golf course yet. They're not there yet. True, true, true. It, it, it's a time commitment, but as I said, it's a game where it's a connector. Like it's, it's, um, you know, when I started playing, I was 22 and I continued to play, I got my brother in it. You know, I've, I've sucked people in and from a social perspective, it's how I actually keep in touch with some people that, you know, we, we only get to connect on the golf course, similar to, you know, my business interactions post COVID. So I think that people need to realize that, yes, it could be expensive, but there's, cheap alternatives. If you're, um, you know, living in a county, check out your, your county course and what the fees offer, get a season pass. And, you know, you can play for like 25 bucks. It'll work out to be cheaper than going to a nightclub. Totally. I mean, they're not going to a nightclub now anyway, so it just seems like a good way to play outside. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, and it's a great sport. It'll humble you because you'll think you have the hang of it. And then the next round, you're shooting 30 shots higher. So it's definitely one of those sports that will humble you and require your full attention as you're over your golf balls. Yeah. So let's return to a few more things. I mean, I I imagine so because we met you, um, we were playing at a tournament or an event Mm -hmm. for someone's birthday and you were on our fairway and we were going the other direction, but you still managed to part that hole somehow. So that's a, that's a feat in itself. That that's a saving grace, and I'm glad my partner could have validated that. And anytime I post something on social media about my golf, it always seems that it's not going 
where it's intended. But then I tell people I caught a a great break <laughs> on this ball, and you know it's yeah, I'm I'm not the best, but I have had some amazing pars in my <laughs> in my golf experience. So yeah. So let's talk more about sports. What do you think some of the opportunities are for you as a person that's in this industry? And like, what are you looking for? If you were telling someone, you know, they want to pivot into sports, they, they use that big word sports, but it's real general and large. For you, yes. what are you looking for in your career growth within the sports industry? And then mm-hmm. that's the first question. I'll, I'll save the second question for later, because then these multi-part questions can blow up people's mind. Yeah. So the, the reason, the main reason behind me staying current with the trends is I, I want to understand what the next thing is. And as a technologist, I don't want to miss a wave. Right. So while we are very mature in what we're delivering, we're always looking at what's the next thing. I was always told um, when I was first coming into technology that even if you're behind, you'll, you'll, you'll probably only take about six months to catch up. And then once you catch up, you want to get ahead. Um, and the reason for that is those new technologies are going to be in demand. Um, and if you can approach it and interact with people as a thought leader, it's a much more fruitful interaction um, because you're going to continue to learn as things evolve, but you'll have more insight and you can be able to, especially on the vendor side, you have to bring clients a value add because they may be thinking about a problem in one way, but you can enlighten them on different ways that may um, that they may not have thought of or that they can explore. Um, even if you don't get that business, right? It's, it's all about, you know, pushing that ball forward. And the only way I can push it forward is if I'm current and understanding where the market is going and where the sport is going. So, you know, I think that for me, it's always, you know, that that's how I, I, I continue to better myself, continue to stay centered and, you know, focused on um, things within the industry by, you know, just saying, okay, we've got that. What's next? And then trying to master that. Okay. What's next? And you just have to keep, keep it going. Um, because technology changes on a dime all the time, right? Absolutely. I feel like there's some things that are that are far behind, like golf, for example. I just don't see golf leveraging technology to the full capability of its abilities. So if yep. you as a case study were looking at, not that we're going to give any answers here, because I swear people will listen and then they'll kind of, what is, the, what is the word I'm looking for? Recreate it and like... Yeah. Yeah, creative licensing. But if you're looking at industries and you have a passion for something, is that how do you bring it back to your management team and say, look, this is an area that I think that we could be very impactful in because I see X, Y, and Z? Or like, what are some of the things that you like to do to bring new business into the company? Well, one is definitely the thought leadership um, aspect. And, and one part of your question was, you know, there's a lag in golf and the technology. Um, golf is actually a good target for, you know, the same technologies that are used to run a league, right? So, um, let's take that credentialing example. Um, in order to get people into the dressing room, in order to get them to the kitchen area and things of that nature, security is manned and stationed at all of those different access points. So, you definitely need that same technology that's running dugouts and uh, the clubhouse and the dressing rooms for the sports teams as you would need in um, golf. Also with golf, um, you're starting to see a lot of real-time information um, that's being provided in golf. And I think you're going to see with the proliferation of betting and gambling, um, all of that real-time data is going to be leveraged to engage the fans in a different way, right? And, you know, you can, if, if you remember the game with Tiger Woods, um, Peyton Manning, um, what's that quarterback that I hate? Um, Tom Brady. And, that you hate, that you strongly I'm sorry, like. I'm that, sorry, that, that I don't like because I'm an Eagles fan. Exactly, um, okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, let's not go there because yeah. then we'll completely derail. Um, and Phil Mickelson, who is actually a KPMG, um, you know, uh, I would say, what is that? Endorsed um, golfer. So 
they had real time feed of who would win this whole, who, you know, what's the probability, you know, um, and people were looking at that information. And of course it was the highest rated golf show um, for different reasons. One, everybody was starved for any kind of sport in any kind of competition, but they piloted those feeds of information that could be used for gambling. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to be a trend that you see. Um, you're going to see the evolution of the betting ecosystem um, and it's going to be leveraged in golf. And, you know, the more data points you can have for golf, like, you know, the, and, and golf is, is actually very data centric with greens and regulations, fairways hit, you know, number of putts. And you see the way that the golf commentators are talking about it. Like they reference those um, data points um, as they're explaining the golfers. And that's, that's something that you'll, you'll see, you know, further enhanced as you go along. Okay. So like off track betting for skins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. So let's talk about more for people that are looking to get into sports, like being able to take that first step. What are mm-hmm. some, I mean, it's such a large thing. What are some strategies that you would give the person that either they know they're very passionate about something, they think they have some skills. How mm-hmm. would you, what gem would you give them? Cause this is about gems, right? And so you've yep. made a career pivot. And if you think about all the amazing things you've done in your career and your life, if you had to give some gems and we'll break it up. Like we have some people that are listening that might've just graduated from college. So let's mm-hmm. start with them. Then we'll move yep. into the mid career people and then people on their last legs of career paths. So I think this first thing will apply to everybody. Um, so as you're building your skill set. You always have to take account of what skill set is transferable, right? Whether it be ascending to a new position in your current um, industry, or what are some of the capabilities that will translate into sports if you're outside of sports, right? So if you're somebody that is in finance and you're handling, you know, forecasts, um, forecasts are relevant in sports. You just have to figure out how that terminology is being used and, you know, what may be the nuances that are there. And I think that in order to do that, you have to do your research, right? So you do your research, you understand what's transferable, um, and you network. (laughs) You network like crazy. I mean, it's, I think there was a stat that new jobs for people interviewing that for that person to first of all, even get the interview, 70% came through someone that they knew in their network. So 70%, so not posting your resume on an online job board, it was literally, hey, I see that there's an opening in your company. I know you work there. Can you provide a reference? And all these companies have internal referencing systems and if you vouch, if someone vouches for you, that gets you to at least give your presentation, right? So I think that if you're looking to break in, number one, make sure that you continue to expand your network, leverage the people that are in your network. Also, once you take account of what transferable skills you have, make sure they shine in that interview um, so that you can, um, you know, get your foot in the door. And then learn the business like crazy once you're in there. Um, and, you know, that would be some advice that I, I think would apply to early, you know, uh, entry level all the way up. Okay. And then for the people that, so let's pivot. We're talking about 40, fit 20. I think that's the. Okay. So 40 is the new 20. Fit. Yep. 40 is the new 20. Yep. So that sounds like some, we're going to skip the middle people. Like, you know what you need to do. Stop playing. You know what the work is that you need to do to advance your career. This is not a question. And yeah. I, you know, I'm focused on executive coaching. That's not how I would coach someone, but yeah. the, the people that are looking to kind of follow their passions, talk about the, the other aspect in the work that you're doing before mm-hmm. 20. Yeah. So um, I'm passionate about what I do uh, from nine to five, but also the five to nine piece The reason I'm passionate about that is, you know, first and foremost, you hit the age of 40, you know, some people 
kind of go into the age of 40 and it's literally the worst thing that they're going to experience, right? You're, you're having your midlife crisis, so forth and so on. Um, the birth of 40 is a new 20 fit stemmed out of a conversation my wife and I had. We were on a long road trip. So we were just talking about things and I was bored with my workout at the time. I was bored with the fact that I wasn't eating right and things like that. And I actually went on IG and I found workouts, I found trainers, everybody. And I was laughing because these people were all over 40. So I'm like, wait a minute, I'm 42 at the time. And here I am complaining that oh, I'm over hell. I can't in- incorporate these things. I'm literally based on the interaction with these people, understanding some of the nutrition, um, just understanding nutrition, understanding fitness, um, I've been able to build a community right now. I think we're at 21,000 followers. Um, We originated it back in 2017. And the premise of it is really allowing people to understand that there's people who start their fitness journey at the age of 40 and are now in the best shape of their life four years later. So that whole myth of when you hit 40, you're over the hill is just that it's a myth. So we showcase people on a daily basis that are living vibrantly, who are doing well in their careers. They're using fitness and wellness as their, you know, baseline in order to handle, you know, things that come at you, whether it be, you know, raising a family, you know, uh, being executive in your career. Uh, and you know, it's a good hobby. Like we, we do this, as a hobby, but it has taken on a life of itself and it's become a community. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. So it's uh that, that, that's a fun thing that we do. Um, we, we, like I said, do uh, around a feature a day and, you know, it's people all over the world that are really keeping with their fitness and looking great. They, they're in great shape. So, yeah. What are some of the what is some of the feedback that makes you smile the most when you see this community or you engage with them? Like what makes you happiest when you engage? What may, well, yeah. So and I I'm a I'm a numbers guy, so people don't know this, but I track this stuff. Anytime we feature somebody on the page, they I mean it ranges how many followers they picked up, but some some of the popular posts they pick up like a thousand followers from a post. I'm like, how is that possible? But I've seen it happen. So, and what that means to me is that their story was so impactful or their look was so impactful or whatever. But even if you pick up one or two followers, the feedback that I get is thank you so much for sharing my story. And what happens is their story is shared and and that's how you connect with people, right? Because we basically, the format of our profiles are what's your name, where you're from, how old are you, tell me about your background, or give us some nuggets to inspire folks that are 40 and over um, to keep it going. And within that little template, people come up with stories of how they're now sober for five years or I had sarcoidosis. Well, I, I don't even, I'm not even pronouncing that right, but I've had XYZ disease and I was under meds, but as soon as I started eating right and working out, I no longer take that. And now I'm just looking to be in the best shape of my life. Things like that. So people connect, they, can, they, they relate to that story and they expand their network on social media. And I've seen the interactions. I've seen people who have become best friends. I've seen... There was one couple who actually got engaged <laughs> after they were profiled. So it's, it's stuff like that that I never thought this would happen with the page, but it has been happening. And it's been good to see and get that feedback that, thank you, you shared my story. That sounds like such an inspiration. And even more so now during this time when we realize that you know COVID preys on these comorbidities and that's around like not taking care of ourselves and not paying attention to what we're eating and just how the food that we do eat impacts our body or that we're not moving. Like we've been in the house for four or five months, not moving. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. I think, um, mm-hmm. what is the Instagram page? Tell everyone the name so, of the page. We're going to put it yeah. in the, the show notes too, though. Yeah. So the Instagram, it's 40 is the new 20 fit. We are on 
Uh, Instagram is where we have our main following. We do have about 4,000 followers on uh, Facebook as well. And I think we're at the thousand mark on Twitter. So we showcase these folks. Um, we try to give you daily inspiration. Um, on Twitter, it's 4020 fit because I think the name was taken. I'm upset about that. Um, but it's 40 is the new 20 fit on both Instagram and Facebook. We do have a website up that says, you know, coming. Um, so we're thinking through how we're going to offer up um, our own web presence um, based on how we've been profiling people on social media. Awesome. So if you're listening and you have an amazing transformation story, please be sure to reach out to Sam because he's going to highlight you yes. and you're going to inspire someone to live better. And another point on that, um, if you're a per- person of color, please reach out. I want to see more people of color on the page. I know that there's more people of color doing their thing. And I also know that there is um, some issues with our community and not being able to, um, that, I'm sorry, obesity is a problem. Let me be very direct. Obesity is a problem. And I do think that obesity is linked to a lot of some of the diseases that we experience as we get older. So the more people of color I can profile, the better. So please do reach out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, you know, we must end on golf. You must share with us and the audience, your favorite golf story and your favorite golf destination. Wow. Okay. So favorite golf destination has to be, I'm going to say my favorite golf experience. I don't know if it's the best destination because I'm probably not getting back there. But when I was at KPMG, I traveled about a hundred thousand miles a year and I was able to go to some very good international locations. Um, I played golf in Jakarta, Indonesia. And when I tell you it was the best golf experience, it, it's almost like they painted the course. It was that beautiful. Um, it was an enjoyable round of golf with um, a fellow coworker at the time. Um, we played 18 holes. We took a ferry out from Singapore, played 18 holes, came back, and we did all that for $117 a piece. What? Are you exactly. I am not kidding you. It was the best experience whatsoever. And just, yeah, so there's another, a number of those experiences. I've golfed in Vietnam. Um, I've golfed in, um, yeah, Malaysia. I've golfed in Spain. I've done a lot of international golfing. And as I said, not only is it a connector, but some of these courses are just beautiful, 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 beautiful. So, but Indonesia, it, it literally just, the, the fact that it's like on the other side of the world and we got to do that for so cheap, <laughs> that would be my best golf experience. So what was the second part of that? Favorite golf story. So any holes in one? I have one holes in one, one hole in one, one hole, in one. One hole in one. It, it was a part three, um, the sixth hole at Diker Beach. And when it went in a hole, I couldn't believe it got up there. And I was like, wow, I am not that good a golfer, but I am in the hole in one club. I know a lot of people, even professional golfers that are not in that club, but that probably was now that was a first, that was my one and only hole in one. And then I think six or seven weeks ago, I was playing at another Brooklyn course and I saw someone hit a hole in one. And this guy, I, I, I filmed it for him because he asked me to film it. And then when we went up to a hole, I filmed him picking the ball up out of the hole and he shared it with his friends. And I, when I tell you, we're average golfers, but when I tell you that made his probably his golf career <laughs> it, like it, it, it was something you, you know like off of tv and he was happy that it was all recorded so yeah okay he's yeah. gonna be like a hundred year old man and showing that bring this to, yeah but we won't yeah. have it'll be like watching a vhs by that time though exactly exactly so yeah that was an awesome moment just to be able to record someone else hitting a hole in one <laughs> That was pretty oh, good. That is awesome. That is okay. Yep. That is a great way to end this. Um, thank you, Sam, for joining us on Tease Me. And, yep. you know, we hope to see you out in the fairway. And for everyone listening, think about this. You can be in sports. You can do anything. But you have to play golf to at least get started. Yep. Absolutely. So thanks again for having me, LJ. This was awesome. 
There are actually quite a few gems in today's episode, from 40 is the new 20 fit, to how you transition a career in technology to include sports. So just really looking at yourself and thinking, what is it I am on this earth to do? And how can I leverage the skills that I have? I do have transferable skills. And how do I start playing golf? Because every time LJ is on this podcast, she's talking about how she met this person playing golf. Yes, I am beating a dead horse. You should play golf. That's what I'm here to remind you. They're amazing people. And for the most part, I can say I've met really positive people with good energy and good attitudes. And anyone that doesn't fit in that category, don't worry. They're probably not on my podcast anyway. So enjoy yourselves. Stay tuned. We have another great episode coming up soon. Thank you for listening to Tease Me.